Rick is preaching from Ephesians 5, 17 through 22 this morning. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Thanks, Kelly. How's it going, everybody? Welcome. Um, I want to tell you um, about two friends that I met yesterday and then pray for them. Uh, The first is uh, a lady named Regina, and Regina is, uh, was the, or is the she started a nonprofit organization called Fun Without Guns, and um, they basically serve and help folks that have been uh, had loved ones that have been affected by gun violence. And so, uh, met her yesterday in person, but I've been texting with her a little bit this week. Um, then the other friend is Mary. Um, Mary is someone that Regina is serving, and. You all, and we got a chance to serve her yesterday through efforts of the Sharing Shed. Um, But Mary's story is this. Her daughter was uh, shot and killed within the last week, and she has six kids. Uh, Her her daughter had six kids, so Mary has six grandchildren. Um, Six of them between, uh, Jen, help me out, between like six, between three and 12 and 13. Um, Two sets of twins. Um, in those, in that group. Um, and so we went out to the sharing shed yesterday and got six beds, uh, seven beds, actually six, one for each of the kids and then one for Mary herself. And she's moved into a new house that she can house all these children. Um, and so we prayed with Mary yesterday and we told her that, that our church will be praying for her as we go. Um, so Mary's situation is she's just lost her daughter and these six children have just lost their mother. Um, to gun violence, and uh, we moved them into a place in the in the city where um, basically on either side of her and across the street are all uh, boarded up or burned up houses, and so it's, it's a tough neighborhood where these kids are going to live in, but the really cool part about it is, is we were bringing stuff in. We had a, a bunch of stuff, obviously, but there were just two kind of random guys in the neighborhood, actually three kind of random guys in the neighborhood who, who stopped in and helped us uh, move all the stuff in. So it's, it's a tough neighborhood, but there's a sense of community that's there, and that's really cool. Um, so uh, as we prayed with Mary, Mary before we left yesterday, I said, we'll, we'll continue to pray for you. And so I wanted to, before we got started in the sermon, I wanted to share Mary's story with you and then also Regina as well, because Regina's helping lots of different Marys uh, throughout our city. Um, but I'd like to take a moment to, to pray for Mary and her kids and Regina and her ministry and also just let you know of that situation. There's probably going to be a, another opportunity like the first or second Saturday in December for us to serve Mary again to get some more stuff to her um, as she kind of settles into her place. So, um, Let's, let's pray for Mary and her family uh, together. So I'm going to vocalize the prayer, but God is cool enough to hear your prayer too. Um, God, thank you so much for the opportunity that you've uh, given to us to connect with the sharing shed that is able to do things like we did yesterday, Father. Lord, I pray that your gospel foremost would go out, Father, and that Mary would know that we were 
there with beds and tables and chairs and stuff because of who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives, Father. And God, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would be near to her as she has woken up this morning for the first time with these children in uh, in her house with her, Father. Lord, I pray um, for protection for those children. Um, God, I pray that they would sense that you love them and not just that you love them, but there are people in this city, in this world that love them and care for them, Father. And Lord, I pray that they would somehow be pointed to your gospel and to your truth and to your glory. God, I pray also that you would give us opportunity to, to serve this family again and not just serve them with tangible things, Father, but serve them with the gospel, Father. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would teach us about how you love us in the midst of this, Father. God, and I pray against um, pride that might well up in us. Look at what we've done. Look at how we've served, Father. But instead, we would see and be pointed back to your beautiful gospel um, and your beautiful son and what he did to come to this earth to, uh, to give of himself for our benefit, Father. And God, I just, Lord, I, I pray, God, that we would, as we serve and as we love and as we engage with our community, Father, that we would be reminded of your great love and your great gospel and the beauty and power of your son, Jesus. Father, change us by the power of your gospel. In Christ's perfect name, amen. Um, so, uh, Ephesians 5, 17 through 21, we're going to end today on what's becoming one of my favorite verses in Scripture, Ephesians 5, 21. Uh, but before we get there, I want to show you a few images, and I want you guys, there's four images here, and I want you to, to look at them, and then first of all, figure out what they are, and then what the four images have in common, all right? Kind of a fun little game to start our day with, all right? So hit that first one. What is that? Do you guys know what that is? Speak louder. Turkey? Is that what you said? Rumble a rumble strip? I think Kelly was on the right. Yeah. It's a rumble strip. So what, is a, what does a rumble strip do? Like you're... It rumbles. Good job. Keeps you on the road. Very good. Good. Well, well done, Sheridan. It's like almost like I planted you there to say that. Next one. What's, what's this? Besides a little boy showing you his butt. <laughs> <laughs> bumper bowling yes and jorts <laughs> layoff poor kid it's not his fault all right so bumper bumper bowling all right hit the next one what is that it's a guardrail that's right it's a nice guardrail too look at how clean and pretty it is it's probably just been put up um, and a little, little reflector thing there. What is, is that a reflector thing? Is that the technical name for it? Maybe. All right. A little reflector thing there. Um, all right. One more. Here's the next one. What is that? That's all I heard. Ski gates. Yeah, that's a good one. Good job, Mia. No. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Um, Ski gates. All right, so what do those four things have in common? 
they keep you inside the lane. So yeah, there you go. They're like, they guide you, right? They, they, they help you, they show you, they, they guide you. They're, um, they're guideposts of some kind, all right? That is the point of the sermon today. Um, one of the, the most frequent things that I get asked as a pastor is, um, what's God's will for my life? Have you ever asked anybody that? Or have you ever thought that? Have you ever rhetorically thought that? Like, what... What does God have for me? Should I take this job? Should I not take this job? Should I go to this school? Should I go to that school? Should I send my kids to this school? Should I send my kids to that school? Should I live in this community? Should I live in that community? What should I do? What is God's will for my life? Um, Or, like, those are kind of big, grand things, but I think there's also a little bit more nuanced when we're seeking God's will. Like, should I I have a, a broken relationship? Should I seek what, what sort of restoration should I seek in that broken relationship? Should I seek just me forgiving them or them forgiving me and that forgiveness and then leave it there because that relationship may not be the best for either one of us? Um, you, you see the, like the subtle differences there? Like clearly the scripture teaches that we need to forgive and, and, and ask for forgiveness. But like the, the more nuanced is what do I need to, to bring full restoration to this relationship? Or... What, what would it look like for me to forgive this person? What, is look, what does forgiveness even look like? Or another nuanced thing is, how should I give myself away? Like God is calling you. That was in, in my prayer for us, for Mary. But also in, as, as we engage this life as a church together, it's an obvious call for us to give of ourselves. And I think... The seeking of God's will in this perspective is how should I give myself away? My time, my money, my energy, my resources. How do I, how do I give those things away? Um, and, and then how would I be, what would sacrificial giving of those things look like? And specifically, and, and I think it's good for us to think about these things. I think it's good for us to pray about these things. What exactly does it look like to forgive? What exactly does it look like to seek restoration? What exactly does it look like to give myself away? Um, and then this is a question that, that I ask of myself pretty consistently, and I try to ask of, of people that I'm surrounded by, like, what is my, what's my purpose? What's my mission? What's my purpose? What's my mission? What's my family's purpose? What's my family's mission? And then what's like our church's purpose and mission? And so how does the will of God speak into those big picture things, but also the, the more nuanced things? These are all really good questions. Um, and I think it's what the heart of, of these five verses that we're going to study this, this morning are, are getting at. Uh, like, what is our purpose? How do we define this and, and how do we how do we find these things and I think it's really interesting that if if you've been paying attention I've I've said through every every sermon that I've preached in this series that um the book of Ephesians is a letter a, a personal letter written by a man who cares very deeply for a, a church in an, in an area these are instructions to a church that appear in a personal letter and so this stuff about how do you figure out God's will, I believe, is best known and best seen in the context of a, of a local church that you are committed to. You follow that? 
So I don't want, like, we can get lost in the minutia of these verses that we're going to talk about today, but I want to back up and see the whole forest here and see that this instruction comes to Paul teaching people that are committed to a local church. Um, so let's dig into, into the passage. Verse 17, Ephesians 5. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Um, the therefore that's showing up there, therefore, do not be foolish. That therefore is he's just said that make the best use of the time because the days are evil. So he's talking again to a church, trying to get them to understand what their, the guideposts for their life are. And again, I, I don't think that um, all of those questions that I just talked about, the, the big picture and the more nuanced ones, I don't, I don't really believe that, that there's something that God says, this is the correct fork in the road to take. This is the correct direction for you to go. But instead, he gives us guideposts. Um, and I think these verses that we're talking about are the guideposts. So back to verse 17. Therefore, because the days are evil, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Um, so in order to do what the gospel has called you to do, here are some things that will help you out with that. That's the, the, the Rick translation of verse 17. Right? In order to do the things the gospel has called you to do, here's some things that are going to help you with that. And they appear in verses 18 through 20. Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Point number one, be careful what you allow to control your mind. So, this, the first phrase there, don't get drunk with wine, is both a specific command and a metaphorical command. So, the specific command is don't get drunk. Uh, very simple. Don't get drunk. This, the, the, the more nuanced metaphorical command here is be careful with what you allow to control you. Let me explain why this means it's, it's not just specific, but it's also metaphorical. And that's what comes after the comma there. Do not get drunk with wine, comma, for that is debauchery. This word debauchery is a Greek word that means excess. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is excess. That's, that's much. That's extra. Um, the, the deeper nuance of this word excess means to be controlled by your impulses, to gratify your cravings, to gratify every one of your cravings. Don't get drunk with wine because that leads you to trusting in your own cravings and giving into them with consistency and with excess. Do you understand? Does that make sense to you? So this, this whole thing, and well, let, let's just see what comes after this. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. When you allow your impulses to, to guide you, bad stuff happens to you. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, imagine a gatekeeper or a filter. Um, my parents live in a, like a little gated community in Illinois, and there's a guy 
who, um, who sits in the little guard shack and like it's gated, but the gates are never up. They're always uh, never down. They're always up. So you can just drive right, right on by. And this is really funny. Dude sits in, in his, uh, in his little guard shack and, uh, he's got his little clipboard. And when he sees a car pulling up, he gets out and like kind of walks out of his guard shack with his clipboard in his hand and he just waves at you. Like, I've been to my parents hundreds of times, and never once have I engaged in any way with the guard other than that one. Just give him a little wave. So what's he doing? I've, like, whenever this happens, and, and I, like, acknowledge it and pay attention to it, and I get to my, I, like, like, you guys, like, talk to my mom and dad, you guys pay, like, dues to your subdivision that pay this guy, like, and he doesn't, like, he doesn't even write it, he's got his clipboard, but he's never, I've never seen him write anything on it, I've never seen him stop anybody, I've never seen anyone stop and talk to the guy, like, he's doing nothing, he's absolutely doing nothing, and he's got a a little, like, like, four-inch TV that he's in there watching his TV, and waving at people as they come by, but he's, he's a, he's a guard, he's, his job is to keep the bad people from coming in, but he does a really poor job at it. And this is that, this verse is that guy. And it's, so it, it, it's silly and, and the, the analogy is silly and doesn't, doesn't amount to much. But I think that as we try to understand what God is calling us to do, who he's calling us to be, how he's calling us to love and serve and forgive and engage with our communities. Like, this is vital for us to to be careful about what we allow to influence us. Um, And it's interesting that I I would say that it is probably likely the, the biggest the most frequent question that I get asked from a pastoral sense, what should I do fill in the, here, fill in the blank? What should I do in this scenario? And if, and, and probably if you guys are really honest with yourselves, you would think like there's, some, there's a question that's in front of your mind. What do I do here? That you would love to know God's will for your life, like what God wants you to do here in this particular situation. Like, that consumes us. Am I doing the right thing here? And if we're, if we're really truly consumed with that, here's step one. Be careful what you allow to influence you. I don't think we're as careful as we should be. At least, I don't think I am. Next one. Hit that next slide. Verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. So what this is telling you to do, if you want to know God's will, you should walk around singing all the time. <laughs> For those of you who live in my house, sorry. <laughs> Kelly's laughing because she knows how I sing um, really poorly. Um, so contextualize this verse, these folks would, so the Psalms, what we know as Psalms 1 through 150, were their hymn book, their song book, and these are God's word 
revealing who God is and his character and how he loves us, those psalms, those poems were set to music. A couple weeks ago, we learned about how some particular psalms, the halal songs, were written for music. And so God intends, or let me back up, the, the church in this culture would set scripture to music for the purpose of having them have these biblical words in their brains with some consistency. That's why I say with, with a lot of consistency, you take, take an important verse or important phrase in a verse and put it in your phone and have it go off every Thursday at 3.30 in the afternoon so you can be reminded of it. And that's this verse. It's not necessarily running around singing, but in this context, the idea was the songs that we sing are the songs that we sing so that we can put the gospel in you. And you can be, with a melody, you can be reminded of what's, what's happening, like to put God's word in your heart and in your mind. So in order for us to put ourselves in a place where we are connecting with God's will and what he has for us, put God's word into our beings. Spend time in the Psalms. Spend time singing. Spend time thinking about the Lord. Um, this is important for us to, to connect with. Um, next verse, verse 19, or verse 20. Um, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, live a life of gratefulness. Um, I think it's really cool. Uh, so the the last two called the worships last week and this week we've been thinking about uh, thankfulness and that's something that Josh has led us in as we were kind of thinking about what to do Josh kind of crafted this idea and it's a really good idea and, and this morning was was really cool um, to pray for our friends our new friends and our old friends and but one of the purposes is and it's it's cool to think about this in the month of Thanksgiving the month of November because our minds are, are kind of predisposed to being thankful, uh, to being grateful. And again, don't get lost in the woods here. Like we are to be thankful and grateful. And that helps our, like that's, these are guideposts for our brains, for our bodies, for our spirits, for our minds to think about what God is calling us to do. Are we Wanting to know what God is calling us to do. Here's a guidepost. Be, live a thankful life. Um, so I've got a few non-rhetorical questions. All right? What are you grateful for? Non-rhetorical means you say it out loud. So what are you, give me something that you are grateful for. Heat. That's right. Especially in this room, like what, two weeks ago, it was like in the 50s in here, or low 60s? I asked, I'm thankful for heat. Yes, grateful for heat. What else? Who else is, what else are you grateful for? Family. Family? All right. Did Stephanie say, oh, no? <laughs> but you're grateful anyway. What else, what else are you guys grateful for? Health. Yeah. Says the guy who was hydroplaning, spinning around in his car 
in the last week. What else are we grateful for? I'm grateful for you. Very much grateful for you. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. What else? I'm grateful I had a, my father was um, he has been an angry. Hmm. You had a good example of gratefulness. What else are you grateful for? Say that again. That's really good. Hmm. Anybody else? I've got two more non-rhetorical questions, but I don't want to breeze past them. Um, do we, here's the second non-rhetorical question. Um, how, assuming that you do, how do you trace those things back to God? Make sense? That's an incredible legacy. That's great. Katie, how do you trace back living close to your newly widowed mother-in-law? Sheridan, how do you trace yours back to God? <laughs> Joe, how, how do you trace Sheridan's back to God? <laughs> That's hard to believe. <laughs> And then, now here's the most important non-rhetorical question. What attribute of God does that thing and how it reminds you of God, what attribute of God does that highlight? What you said, what attribute of God do, those, do these things highlight? What's that? Grace. Yeah. Yeah, that's true for everything everyone has said. 
So like the point, like these are non-rhetorical questions that we're, I'm intending for you to think about and engage in your brains, and hopefully not just those that have been vocal are actually thinking about these things, to think about, okay, here's something that I'm grateful for, and what does this tell me about God, and, and what attribute does this reveal about his character? And when we spend time considering that, and not just individually spend time considering that, but collectively spend time considering those things. Our brains go to a place where we connect with the attributes of God and who he is and all of those things in our hearts are in our minds, our focus and our attention is on him. And when that happens, we can trust that we are being guided by the will of the Lord to particular places. Do you follow that? Like how do we find the will of God? Engage in community, pray, study. All of these things that we've talked about create in us this idea and this understanding that we begin to understand the nature and character of God, and as such, we can trust his will for our lives. Now, all of that gets us to verse 21. Um, And so I kind of go through cycles in my world and in my life of favorite verses um, there's been five or six of them in my life. And this one is, is steadily gaining um, on number one because I think that this verse is so vitally important. If, if we as individuals and we as a collective church lived our life under the, the guidepost of this verse, our worlds would be completely changed. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting is the Greek word hupotasso, which is a, a military term. It appears most in military perspectives to willingly place yourself under. Think of a private willingly placing himself under the commands of a superior officer. But the difference here is it's, it's hierarchy. Hierarchy. You guys know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Um, there's a hierarchy to this idea that I'm going to submit to someone who is, has a position above me. Like a child submitting to his parents. Like an employee submitting to a boss. That's the, the straightforward definition of this word. But there, the beauty of this word in this context is it's talking about Christ submitting to you which is backwards. You follow that? What he's commanding you to do, what he's calling you to do, what all of these guideposts, the being grateful, the the singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs and, and all this stuff, all this seeking of the will of the Lord comes down to this idea that you would willingly place yourself under Someone who probably doesn't deserve it. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's out of reverence for Christ means because he did it first to you, you do it for those around you. Um, I want to, there's something on the screen. Let's, uh, just want you to, I'm going to, this is, this is bad 
sermoning right now, but I want you to just stop and read that silently to yourself and consider Christ. Jesus used his life, his time, his energy, his power, his authority for the express purpose of serving and doing for others what they could not do for themselves without regard to the fact that they did not deserve it. All of this was compelled by his love for God and people. You guys, this is is what it means to live the gospel in our world. And this is, God has called you to live here. God has called you to live in this place. And it's, like the the heart of of who we are, the heart of, of where God is taking us, we started out with this idea that we're, we're consistently consumed with this idea of, of what God's will for my life is. This is it. Like, what do you have? Where, where do you have time, energy, power, authority? Where do you have those things? In what areas do you have those things? You're called to give them away. Think about all of the stuff in this world that drives you crazy. Think about all of the angst that you felt watching television commercials for the last two months. And all the angst that you felt on Tuesday. And all of the, the, the junk that's, that's true in our world. All the junk that's true in North County. All of that angst is in you for a purpose. That angst is in you for a purpose here to give yourself away. And it's, don't don't miss the, the, the last sentence there. All of this. He was compelled by his love for God and for people. Like, what's what's your life? How do you spend your days? Is it compelled by love for God and for people? Or is it compelled by love of self? That seems really harsh to say. But can I say that I'm, I feel a deep need to repent of that. Because I'm, I've got the microphone doesn't mean that I've got it figured out. Um, I think it's time for me to stop talking and let God deal with us. God, thank you for...
this morning. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his gospel. God, we come before you now. Um, Lord, I pray you just do with us as you will. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.